DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined once again by Dr. Peter Craved, who is a professor of philosophy at Boston College and is one of the most respected and prolific Christian authors of our time. His many best-selling books cover a vast array of topics in spirituality, theology, and philosophy. They include Wisdom from the Psalms, Angels and Demons, Heaven, the Heart's Deepest Longing. With Dr. Peter Kraft, we go inside the pages of Practical Theology, Spiritual Direction from St. Thomas Aquinas, published by Ignatius Press. Dr. Kraft, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. A powerful, powerful book. Uh, how long, actually, did this take for you to compile? Well, usually it takes me between a month and six months to write a book. This took uh, about a year and a half. I had to go through all 4,000 pages of Aquinas' masterpiece, the Summa Theologica, for the first time in my life. I was familiar with it, but I hadn't read everything in it. And like most philosophers, I had neglected the practical stuff in favor of the philosophical, theoretical stuff. I was amazed at how, how practical Aquinas' theology is. So I thought I needed to restore the balance. It is a tremendous work, and it truly is a, a piece of spiritual direction for all of us. I mean, what, in your heart and mind, what do you feel the goal of good spiritual direction is? To be a saint. That's the meaning of life. Mm. That's the whole purpose that God banged out the Big Bang in the first place uh, and produced us. And I find in my own experience that a great saint and theologian like Aquinas is often more effective and more helpful in attaining that ideal than merely uh, emotional, merely spiritual uh, works by other masters. Uh, Maybe that's so only for some people who like to think a lot and like to have clear thoughts and connect them with their practical actions. But I suspect this something in, in the nature of the human being that wants to connect those two things. I think it's unhealthy that we've separated them. We've reduced spirituality to a largely emotional affair and reduced intellectuality to something that has almost nothing to do with religion but everything to do with science. So I tried to bring them together in this book, as Aquinas does. Well, you know, as you say that, it, it really it makes that connection from that the mind to the heart, and I, I think it also, it, it's so beautifully exhibited in Our Lady, the Blessed Virgin Mary, who always pondered all these things in her heart. And it sounds as though that's what not only Aquinas has done, but what you have done with Aquinas's work. Yes, and the more you immerse yourself in Aquinas, the more like him you become. Uh, his style of thinking, his, his quiet, clear, honest, open-minded contemplation is, is a habit that, that rubs off. You apprentice yourself to the master, and you become more like. Well, he's definitely not afraid of the question. He's not afraid to not only pose them himself, but also to receive them from others. And I think that's one thing that you know. You know, it, can we say that you have a grounding when you're not afraid of those questions? No, if you have truth from God, you shouldn't be afraid of any question. 
uh, and Aquinas often asks uh, questions that no theologian today would, would dream of asking, very practical questions like, like what happens if the celebrant of a Mass becomes insane at the point of the consecration? Is it still valid? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even a letter uh, in which Aquinas seriously asked the question, did Adam and Eve fart before the fall? Fascinating. In responding to those, it, it, that practicality, isn't that the, with the sign of a true mystic, is that they are very, very practical? Of course, because a mystic is somebody who sees, who sees the real world. So a mystic is exactly the opposite of, of someone who flees away from the world. Uh, he flees to the truth, and truth is always practical. Mm. Well, when we desire to have spiritual direction, it is something that, it, it will lead us to religion, won't it? Well, yes. Uh, the vague, general desire uh, for spiritual direction will lead to, to, to a particular religion, and the particular religion of Christianity will also demand that you get spiritual direction, so it works both ways. Well, the reason I, I pose that question is so often there it, there's a tendency, I don't know if it's just in our cu- culture, our country, where we think that it can just be Jesus and me, and or something like that, or in some cases, me and the deity, and that it, that relationship is more important, and somehow it can be separated from how we engage others in the world, and that's dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is. Uh, to take any two good things and oppose them and make them an either-or is always dangerous. Uh, the head and the heart, the practical and the theoretical. Uh, personal religion and institutional religion. Uh, they all belong together because we have a, a body and a soul that belong together and a head and a heart that belong together. God, God made us that way. I think, though, that the biggest danger in our culture is increasingly becoming not so much the Jesus and me alone, which is also uh, a mistake, mm-hmm. but spirituality in distinction from religion, some vague uh, and and... and kind of uh, not challenging, not harmless uh, philosophy that there's some God in heaven and all's right with the world, and when you feel like it, you can uh, you can do some spiritual exercises, but it doesn't demand any concrete choices. It doesn't demand any sacrifices. Well, in that the, kind of vague spirituality has always been a temptation. And when you talk about temptations, that's something that, Thomas Aquinas would spiritually direct us to have a great awareness of the battle between good and evil. Somehow we have a sense that there's good and gray. Yes. The great saints who are masters of goodness are also uh, masters of understanding evil. Uh, The more you appreciate light, the more you realize how different it is from darkness. So uh, Aquinas is not one of these one-sided thinkers who are so optimistic that they're blinded to the nature of evil, nor the opposite mistake, uh, someone who's so afraid of evil that they minimize the good. He has a, a very clear concept of both. And appreciating that good and evil, then, also Aquinas helps us to see that the agents in that struggle between good and evil. You know, every Sunday, at the very, very least in our creed, we say we believe in a visible and invisible. In that realm, is that battle between those spirits. And in this, he makes it so very clear, and you really help to break that open. Well, that's very biblical. On almost every page of the Bible, you find the drama of the, the war between good and evil, which is the meaning of life. 
uh, life is not simply a, a, a safe kind of mathematical formula. Life is a, a, a struggle, uh, a warfare, but it's a joyful warfare where, where good uh, will inevitably triumph over evil. You know, we look at God and that he is so big in, in so many cases. Can he control everything, including our will? Yes, but when he, uh, when he influences us, he influences us according to our nature, which is free. So divine grace, which starts everything, turns our free will on rather than off. The supposed conflict between God's will and ours, or between uh, predestination and free will, or between grace and human nature, that's not a conflict at all. That's, that's a, uh, a both-and rather than an either-or, because grace deals with everything in nature according to its nature. So the more grace there is in you, the more human and the more free you are. It's so important to develop the conscience. And again, I'm going back to spiritual direction, that it's more than just, okay, now we're going to pray, we acknowledge God is there, but learning how to discern. And that's essentially what's happening in practical theology, the spiritual direction from St. Thomas Aquinas, because the element of discernment understanding between the the good and the evil and that influence in our free will, that is an imperative, isn't it? It's an absolute imperative because God makes it that way. He could have done a lot of things instead of us and for us, but instead he gave us a conscience and a reason and a free will uh, and gave us enormous responsibility for our own salvation. The principle of subsidiarity in politics, one of the basic Catholic principles is that uh, uh, in the political order, uh, the ones on top ought to uh, energize the ones on the bottom and use them rather than bypass them. So whatever can be done by by individuals or uh, smaller groups or neighborhoods uh, ought to be done. And the one at the top uh, is the one that, that energizes them rather than bypasses them. Well, in the universe, God is at the top. And what he does is give us uh, the means of, of cooperating with His grace instead of doing it instead of us. In that establishing for us that mode of operation in this world that we live in, would you say that out of all of it, that, that basic element, the underlying principle is love? Yes, because love is the very eternal essence of God. Uh, it motivates everything that he does. Uh, if parents love children, they don't rival their children. They want their children to be truly themselves. And God's our Father, and we're his children, and he wants us to be truly ourselves. And that's his purpose in, in doing everything. Even those things which might seem to us at the time to be uh, oppressive and contrary to our, our desires, because our, our deepest desires aren't always our surface desires. So when we think God is interfering with us, he's really helping us. We're talking with Dr. Peter Kraft about his book, Practical Theology, Spiritual Direction from St. Thomas Aquinas, 350-plus ways your mind can help you become a saint. And, you know, I've alluded to it before that it's really how the, the mind makes that journey that Pope Benedict XVI reminded us of, the journey between the mind, and the heart. St. Thomas, so many, Dr. Craved, would say he's, oh, he's so, he's so heady, and he's too deep for us. But in actuality, you've come to show us that 
he really has a, a real guidance for us. He really was a man of the heart, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He was simple. He was a kind of a combination of Pope Benedict and Pope Francis, mm. both brilliant and simple at the same time. And if you if you browse through his Summa Theologica, once you get past the somewhat technical terminology, you're amazed at how simple he is, how commonsensical, how readable. We need that type of practicality today because it's funny that you should mention both Pope Benedict and Pope Francis because there are those who are very torn up now, I would say, within even Catholic circles because they look at one and they look at the other and they become confused. They're not sure how to respond anymore. And I'm not sure why that is. Well, that's because they believe the media rather than the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church has always uh, had both of those ingredients in her saints, both both simplicity and brilliant complexity, and they're not uh, opposed to each other. But the media spins everything as, as left or right, politically uh, progressive or conservative, and the, and the Church has never bought into those categories, because the Church is not a, a political institution. It's an institution for the whole person. It was amazing. As I was going through the book, I saw so many of the topics, one after another, that deals with specific issues, even in our day. But then again, there's really nothing new under the sun, isn't there? That's right. And it's the permanent things that are the most important. Uh, That's another danger of of, uh, paying too much attention to the media. They always uh, specialize in the temporary, in what just happens to be relevant today. But as Chesterton says, he who marries the spirit of the times will soon become a widower. (laughs) Well, God forbid that should happen. It's so important in so many different areas. You know, for example, you have one of the topics is how do you reconcile justice and mercy? It was mercy that that had God create us in the first place. It couldn't be justice. We couldn't deserve to be created before we even existed. So Aquinas says, Mercy, which is a, a function of love, is, is prior to justice. Uh, but mercy demands justice, and justice demands mercy. Do you think that, that is how so many are perplexed, possibly, by Pope Francis, because he is continually addressing that, that balance of justice and mercy? Yes, yes, because the saints uh, are always above us a couple of levels, so they surprise us. And if we're not open-minded enough to learn from them, uh, we complain that they don't fit our narrow little categories. They don't fit our expectations. But they can always teach us something. We don't teach them much. They teach us much. We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. 
A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, or Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Inside the Pages. What I found really so remarkable about this work that you've given to us, Dr. Kreeft, is that it not only gives us the, those moral responses, not only and helps us to appreciate you know, what we do, even in our public liturgies, but you've really helped us tap into mystery that in the incredible unknown for so many of us if we can't if we can't necessarily think it through it's thinking it to the point where you kind of let go and just begin to believe it and to do it and that's that's essential isn't it that is that's the habit of mind that that Aquinas had he he was so open minded he was interested in in everything yeah in God, in the universe, in himself, uh, and he would not impose his own categories upon the uh, upon the world. He learned from everything. Well, and once you enter into that mystery, then all things become possible. And even responding to those basic questions about the Blessed Virgin Mary and our relationship in, with the communion of saints. He seems to have a freedom to be able to be brought into that mystery. Yes, it's both mystery and order. Uh, the open-minded heart, which recognizes mystery and recognizes that there are more things in heaven and earth that are dreamed of in all of our philosophies, that's not, in Aquinas, contrasted uh, with his desire to explore it and, and, and to explore its order because it's perfect order. Uh, he likes to quote uh, a saying from Augustine that uh, the things of God are, to our mind, like the sun is to the eyes of a bat or an owl. It's, it's so brilliant and so rational that it appears to us as darkness, as mystery. And that's inevitable, because, quite frankly, we're, we're quite silly and stupid compared to God. Mm. 
Well, compared to God, I mean, here that the degrees of the virtues, in particular humility, is something that keeps pouring out over and over again in St. Thomas Aquinas, that, that, that sense of the virtues. Have we, have we lost that, or is it, it I mean, I'm, I don't have a sense that we, we even can recount them like he did. Yeah, uh, I think on the one hand, we find it hard to practice uh, uh, the kind of total humility that he did. Uh, and on the other hand, we are reluctant to, uh, to see as much order and, and, and structure and reason uh, as he. The, the, the two go together. We tend to separate the two. We tend to either want uh, a clear, rational, quasi-scientific theology and are suspicious of mystery, or else we accept mystery, but we're suspicious of, of rationality and order. It's so remarkable when we contemplate the, the, the larger things to realize in, in that supreme act of humility where Christ does come in, in the form of a child to us to, to show us love, that in that ordering of the great desire to know us and for him to know and to be known, that is something that is a puzzlement for so many. And, and it's a scandal. Scripture uh, speaks of, of Christ as a stumbling block. Uh, the world would much more easily accept him if he had marched on Rome, deposed the emperor, and become the king of the world. But instead he becomes a little baby, uh, lives in disguise, is crucified as a criminal. Uh, it's... It's such an astonishing piece of humility. It's it's, it's hilariously funny. It's, it's, the incarnation is the greatest joke I've ever played on the devil. Well, in these days too, we have that opportunity to be humble ourselves. I mean, that's kind of the action that happens when we humble ourselves to enter in the water through baptism. And as you help us to see the uh, the absolute importance of baptism or that ability for us to be able to enter into that mystery. Yeah, we have to get wet with divine grace. Uh, we can't do it ourselves, so we just have to go where the grace is, where the water is, and that starts with baptism. By Jesus being baptized, he sanctified baptism, and that is the reason why that has to be undertaken by us. Right. He didn't need to be baptized himself, and he was baptized not so that the water would do something to him, but that he would do something to the water. Uh, from the time of his baptism, water has become uh, something new. It's become an instrument of divine grace in baptism. And it really became the doorway for all of those other encounters, every single one of those actions that we understand as sacrament. And St. Thomas, again, addresses, I don't think there's an apologetic book that could equal or even come close in our modern day terms to how he's able to just write, cut right to the core. Yes, yes. And he was such an amazing person. He, he never revised a word. The, the Summa Theologica was dictated to four or five secretaries uh, because he could speak four or five times faster than they could write. And then they put their stuff together, uh, and we've got the 4,000-page Summa Theologica in, in perfect logical order. Mm. It, it's What I found so endearing about the book as well, Dr. Kraft, is that as you approach the end, it actually, it, it's, you're on this journey into holiness, 
to become a saint, as you said. And there are the three areas that ultimately we encounter. It, it's heaven, it's purgatory, or it's a very real hell. Yeah, the last things. They're, they're truly the last things. And they begin with, with the divine judgment, which is inevitable and inescapable. Uh, and if we haven't developed the virtues, especially the first one of humility here, uh, then we won't be able to, uh, to develop them there. It's sad in, in so many ways because we don't have a, a real sense, maybe, maybe of heaven, we, we think it's going to be the place where we're, we are perfectly happy by our standards, and yet that, it, there's so much more to it that it, we almost make it sad when we try to make it look like our happiness, don't we? Yes, and we try to fit it into our categories, and of course we can't do it. Mm-hmm. Scripture describes it as, Something eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. So this whole world and everything we can understand in it is nothing more than a large womb. And at death we're born into a much larger world. And we could no more understand that larger world now than a, uh, an unborn baby could understand life outside the womb before he's born. Mm. And also to appreciate that because of that great freedom that we've been given, that there is a choice that we can make, and that is, that is hell. And then why would anybody choose that? Well, for the same reason we choose sin. Uh, we're all insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, think, of, think of what sin is. God, God offers you a choice between good and evil, and he says, you know that every time you choose my will, which is good, uh, you find joy. And every time you choose against me, you find misery. Now, what will you do this time? Will you have joy or misery? And our reaction is usually, well, that's a tough one, Lord. You know I'm tempted. Uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll try misery this time. Maybe it'll work. God must be very patient with us this we retarded children. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's very sad, Dr. Crave, that in a, a recent film that is uh, coming out or is out called The Exodus, it's a a version that Ridley Scott has of Moses. And instead of God appearing and responding in the burning bush, he makes God an angry child who dialogues with what? Moses. And what, what have we done when we accept that imagery of God at that moment in salvation history? Well, that's ridiculous. That's, that's just undermining something very basic and, and, and very obvious. If God is God, he can't possibly be a mere child, and he can't possibly be merely angry. Uh, he's got to be more than that. That's, that's not a God worth worshiping. Mm. And yet, and that is a, that's an image that our culture puts out there, and that we are ultimately called to reject, aren't we? Well, of course. And the first step in, in rejecting it is faith or, or trust. Uh, we don't see God. We can't uh, circumscribe him by our reason. Uh, we're, we're little children. He's our father. And the first choice a little child has towards his father is to trust him or not. If he does trust him, there's going to be a lot of surprises. Uh, poor Job, a uh, hero of, of, of faith, uh, he has a more difficult time than, than most of us because he has to trust God even 
and God seems to let him down, as as Christ did on the cross, when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He felt abandoned, and yet he trusted his Father and, and continued to pray to him. Uh, and that's always rewarded. Mm. Well, Dr. Kraft, I think, once again, I I wish we had more time, but in Practical Theology, the Spiritual Direction from St. Thomas Aquinas, you have offered us an incredible work that can help us to be able to ponder, to discern, and to be able to navigate in this journey in holiness. And I, I wish we had more time. Any final thoughts? Well, the book is good because half the words are those of Aquinas, and all I do is comment on him. But he himself, he himself uh, liked to quote uh, a saying of one of his predecessors. He said, we are all dwarfs standing on the shoulders of giants. If we see more than, than our ancestors, it's only because we start with the humility to climb up on their shoulders and look. For that purpose, we're so happy you've, you've been a bridge for all of us so that we can help to make that climb. Dr. Peter Crave, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. God bless you. Bye-bye. With Dr. Peter Kreeft, we've gone inside the pages of Practical Theology, Spiritual Direction from St. Thomas Aquinas. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to Ignatius.com, the website for its publisher, Ignatius Press. Or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore to hear and or to download this conversation. Along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.